I'm Lauren, and I'm a veterinarian. I'm JJ, and I'm a veterinary technician. And you're listening to IntroVets, a veterinary podcast by introverts with high-functioning anxiety. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to Season 2 of IntroVets Podcast. Holy shit. We're really excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a minute. It has been. So much has happened since we logged off last season. And yet so little. I know. <laughs> well, today we're going to present a case, and JJ is going to tell us about this little puppy. Okay. This little puppy's name is Josie. She's a 10-week-old female intact standard poodle, and this is her first time presenting to the veterinarian. She has had two distemper parvo and leptospirosis vaccinations at a different clinic, um, one at six weeks of age and one at nine weeks of age. She is being presented for a suspected hind limb injury. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. She's got a gimpy leg. Yeah. Owner says she won't walk very much and is limping on her right rear. Um, she's also not eating or drinking very much, and the owner is worried that she's too painful to eat. Um, there's no history of a specific injury, and she has had one episode of vomiting in the car on the way to the vet. Hmm. Well, the not eating and being super painful is not that typical of like a minor hind limb injury so already i'm interested especially in the puppy yeah i mean i've seen puppies with straight up broken legs flapping around being like hi what are you doing Uh. i'm so excited (laughs) give me a snack yeah so right away i'm a little bit suspicious okay Mm -hmm. what are we seeing on the physical exam so for the physical examination, uh, the puppy was quiet, alert, and responsive, can ambulate on her own, but walks with a very stiff gait and prefers to lay down. Mm. Um, she's got a mild mucoid discharge from her eyes. Uh, the puppy does protest during oral examination and yelps when her mouth is opened. Mm. Heart and lung sounds are normal, and the abdomen palpates normal. The hind limbs are generally painful, and the stifles and hocks are swollen and hot. Temperature is 104.1 degrees, and the puppy refuses to eat treats in the exam room. Well, I don't like the fever part. I don't like the swollen joints part at all. I don't mm-hmm. like the the pain on opening the mouth. None of those things are my favorite. So no. right away, based on physical examination, I think we can start to go ahead and build our differential list. So the first thing that I'm going to put on the differential list in this particular puppy is a condition called hypertrophic osteodystrophy, often abbreviated HOD. But there's some other things that it could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, possibly infection or sepsis. Yeah. So if we have uh, like an overwhelming infection in the body, it can spread to the joints and we'll get those swollen hot joints and a fever and also signs of, you know, not wanting to eat and feeling bad. Tick-borne illnesses, just as a general b- blanket uh, here. Any of these could cause weird symptoms like this. Um, Maybe also immune-mediated, like a polyarthritis. Yeah, so polyarthritis just meaning more than one joint is affected. Um, And we can see polyarthritis with tick-borne illness. Um, Technically, I think HOD is technically a polyarthritis, but specifically an immune-mediated one. Um, We do see that in puppies as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a pretty good list to get us started with. Yes. So what tests are we going to order? Well, the good news is that many of those things can be sort of ruled in or ruled out with some basic testing. So I would start with a minimum database, 
which as we talked about last season, is a complete blood count, a chemistry profile, and a urinalysis. And then I would take some radiographs of the affected limbs and see if we can see anything that tips us off as to the problem. So, JJ. Yes. What did they find when they ran some tests on Josie? So the CBC was normal for a puppy of this one's age. We have to remember that puppies have a different reference range for red blood cell count than adult dogs. Mm -hmm. Chemistry shows no abnormalities. Your analysis shows no abnormalities. Radiographs show a classic thin radiolucent line in the metaphysis that is parallel to the growth plate. Um, so our diagnosis is HOD. That radiograph is really the tip off there. HOD, I completely agree with the assessment here. So what is HOD, otherwise known as hypertrophic osteodystrophy? HOD is a development disorder of dogs. It generally affects the metaphysis of long bones in puppies that still have open physes or growth plates, basically puppies that are still growing. So there's also a systemic inflammatory component. Some clinicians actually consider these dogs to be immunosuppressed, and sometimes we can see really severe cases and have other organs involved like the lungs, the skin, and the GI tract. Now, HOD is not the same thing as panosteitis, so I want to go over that real quick. Panosteitis is another reason that puppies of this age might present with lameness and a fever and things like that. Panosteitis causes a shifting leg lameness and pain in the diaphysis of the long bones. So that's like the long shaft part of the bone. Mm -hmm. Whereas HOD is going to cause symptoms at the metaphysis, which is near to the joint. In cases of panosteitis that I've seen have been less severe than the HOD cases that I've seen. Uh, but there have been reported cases of fever and reluctance to walk in panosteitis cases. So you want to keep it on your list. But in this puppy, panosteitis doesn't really fit because of the location of the pain and swelling. Gotcha. So what causes HOD? Well, we don't really know. The current thought is that it is an immune-mediated process. And mostly that's because of the similarities that HOD has to a condition in people, in kids, called chronic recurrent multifocal osteomyelitis. That sounds complicated. It, yeah. <laughs> We also suspect it's immune-mediated just because of how significantly the clinical presentation can vary. And there seems to be some type of a genetic component, like there's an increased frequency in certain breeds. Now, we used to think that HOD could be related to a vitamin C deficiency or maybe even over-supplementation of vitamins and minerals. And if you're reading an older textbook, you might see those things mentioned. But these have been pretty well ruled out as potential causes. Hmm. Now, there has been a correlation historically between HOD and vaccination. However, there's never been any sort of causation link found or proven. So dogs with HOD have often been previously vaccinated you know, pretty recently. However, the age group where we see HOD is kind of the same age group where we give vaccinations. So we really think it's probably mostly a coincidence that they happen at the same time. Hmm. Yes, I've heard about the uh, vitamin and mineral oversupplementation. I remember hearing that in the past. So it's interesting that that's been ruled out. Yeah. So how is HOD diagnosed? Well, in a couple of ways. So probably the most important one is going to be physical examination. So 
if we're looking at the dog and it's got clinical symptoms um, that are suggestive of HOD, that that's pretty strong evidence. And the things that we're going to see are, like in this puppy, lameness. And most of the time, joint swelling that is grossly observable. Like you look at the puppy across the room and you're like, that puppy's got swollen joints. And this is going to occur especially, again, over the metaphysis of the long bones. Now, the metaphysis is the region where the diaphysis, that's the long skinny part of the bone, and the epiphysis, the part of the bone that uh, like attaches to the next bone, joins, okay? The metaphysis is the region where the growth plate is located. Lameness can vary from a mild limp to a dog that's so painful that it can't bear weight at all. And if multiple limbs are affected, the puppy might be completely non-ambulatory. Oh, poor baby. Yeah, these guys feel bad. Multiple long bones can be affected. And those include the mandible. And based on the history with this case, I suspect the dog was having some issues that's why it was having pain on opening the mouth. Mm-hmm. The vertebrae, so we might have spinal pain. The ribs, so we might have pain just touching the sides. The scapula or shoulder blades. And even the optic foramina, which is like the hole where the optic nerve comes into the eye. So it can mm-hmm. affect multiple places. These guys might develop symptoms like hypersalivation. They might have swelling of the muzzle, uh, pain on opening the mouth like we talked about before. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have a fever, like this puppy. Anorexia or decreased appetite is a common finding, and we think it's just because they feel so puny. Yeah. Ocular and nasal discharge is common. Sometimes we can see skin pustules or nodules, and we might have diarrhea and or blood in the stool. Increased respiratory sounds might be noted. Some of these guys actually will develop a pneumonia secondary to the inflammatory process. And then in girl dogs, vaginitis might even happen. Hmm. Now, on blood work, we usually see pretty normal findings. They're usually pretty nonspecific results. We might have them be completely normal, or they might reflect kind of secondary changes like dehydration or evidence of inflammation, or then our typical puppy chemistry findings like elevated alkaline phosphatase that's just suggestive of bone growth. Mm -hmm. And then... Radiographs is another big one. So the classic appearance of an HOD lesion is going to be a thin radiolucent line at the metaphysis, and it's going to be parallel to the epiphyseal plate or the growth plate. The lesions might not be visible, though, for a few days, like between one and three days after the puppy is clinically sick. So if we really think this is HOD, we can come back, take x-rays again if we don't see that classic line the first time. It might appear later. Sometimes we can get an interstitial pneumonia that's observed on x-rays of the chest. This pneumonia typically resolves as the orthopedic abnormalities are resolving. Now, there's one type of test that has been done in the past but is not recommended, and that's a bone biopsy. The reason it's not recommended is that physeal biopsy, so biopsy of the growth plate, in growing animals can cause damage. Now, in cases where bone biopsy has been done in the past, there are some histopath lesions that we can see, and and mostly what we're seeing is metaphyseal necrosis. Uh, But again, we don't want to do that test to try to diagnose HOD. So if you have a dog that presents with these symptoms and you suspect that it might be HOD, Mm -hmm. and you check the radiographs and you don't see that um, telltale line, um, 
if you recommend they come back in 24 to 72 hours, what do you do about the symptoms that they're they're, that they're showing? Yeah, I would treat them. So that's where the the art part of medicine kind of comes in. I'm going to look at the individual case. And if I really think this is HOD and the x-rays are are not suggestive of it yet, if the puppy is mostly stable, we're going to get to treatment here in just a few minutes, but um, treating with an anti-inflammatory is indicated for HOD. So I'm going to put them on that and uh, have them come back. Now, if the puppy is completely non-ambulatory, um, if the puppy is so sick that it's not eating anything and it needs to be like in the hospital on nutritional support and IVs, you know, then I'm going to maybe do a more aggressive workup and I might even do like a, a joint tap or some other things trying to rule out other conditions and then always keep HOD in the back of my mind. Like radiographs that aren't supportive doesn't rule it out. So I would always want to kind of file that one away and say, okay, let's come back in a couple of days and take x-rays. But if the puppy's really sick, I would be aggressive about pursuing other possibilities okay. in the meantime. Sounds good. Now, JJ, there are some dogs that are more likely to develop HOD. So your large and giant breeds are the most common, uh, but there have been some medium-sized breeds that have been reported. Weimaraners are predisposed to HOD. Weimaraners. <laughs> 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 Oh, no. You asked for it. <laughs> I know. Ben made that joke when we were in our pre-podcast meeting, and I just got so tickled. Why not, Maroner? It oh. feels like it should be a t-shirt. I'm sorry. Yes, it should be. Why and not, it, The Weimaraner needs to have these eyebrows that are like, why not, Maroner? <laughs> okay. We'll get okay, right okay. on that. Okay, so Weimaraners are predisposed. Weimaraners, they sure are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, in general, it is seen in rapidly growing young dogs, most often age seven weeks to eight months. Sometimes relapses occur and can continue up to 20 months of age. Ouch. Mm. Males are considered most likely to develop HOD, but at least one study has shown no significant difference in sex predilection. So, JJ, you mentioned Weimaraners earlier, <laughs> um, but there's some other breeds that are predisposed. The Australian Kelpie, Boxer. Bull Mastiff, Doberman Pinscher, German Shepherd, Great Dane, Irish Setter, Irish Wolfhound, Labrador Retriever, Rottweiler, St. Bernard, Scottish Deerhound, Standard Poodle, and last but not least, can't forget, the Why Not Mariner. Why Not Mariner? <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, that's going to be a thing. I know. All right. So, Dr. Greider, how is yes. HOD treated? Okay. Well, we touched on this a bit earlier, but so... These guys kind of fall into two categories. We've got mild cases, and then we got our severe ones. So in mild cases, we're going to start by treating their pain with an anti-inflammatory pain reliever. So NSAIDs, the NSAID of your choice is a great place to start. We also want to give them some supportive care. So I like to make sure that the puppy is set up in a smaller area with the food water right there, owners are assisting the puppy outside to go potty and back in, and that we have just like a really restful time. We really want to give the puppy like lots of love and TLC. And I'll often have the owners hand offer food and water because sometimes they're just painful and they don't want to get up and eat or drink. But if you bring it to them, then they will. Dr. Grider prescribes extra snuggles. That's right. <laughs> All the time for every condition. Now, um, antibiotics are sometimes used in these cases. And this is somewhat of a controversy. Definitely, 
if we've diagnosed an interstitial pneumonia or we've got skin lesions that are secondarily infected, obviously those guys need antibiotics. Um, but some clinicians are in favor of covering all of these patients with a broad spectrum antibiotic uh, because they feel like the pets are immunocompromised. And then others say there's not a need for that. So I'll tell you what I do, which is I kind of use my spidey sense to determine on a case-by-case basis if I feel like this is necessary or not necessary. Mm-hmm. And I can't really explain it more than that. Uh, the other thing I'll use is, has the animal come to me on a Friday and I want to try to avoid an ER visit? I'm probably going to prescribe those guys antibiotics. You know, if they're moderately sick, but we're trying an outpatient situation and it's a Friday, you know, then I'm going to prescribe an antibiotics. Okay. If it, if I'm hearing anything unusual on the chest, um, auscultation, uh, even if x-rays don't show an interstitial pneumonia, because again, those x-ray findings can be delayed a little bit, uh, so we might have a symptomatic pet, but no uh, visible pneumonia on x-rays. I, I'm going to start those on antibiotics, but if it's one that's a more milder case, then I'll probably hold off. Severe cases. These guys need more intensive therapy. Definitely anti-inflammatory medicines are still needed. Now, if we have a really severe case, sometimes they don't respond to NSAIDs and we need to go to steroids. Obviously, you don't want to use an NSAID and a steroid at the same time because of the risk of GI ulceration that we can have in dogs. So sometimes we start an NSAID and it's not working. We have to switch to steroids, uh, which is always a little bit of a nerve-wracking thing for me. So again, I kind of try to use the spidey sense at the beginning and say, like, how sick is this dog? And then decide, are we going NSAID or are we going steroids? Um And then aggressive supportive care. So they might need to be in the hospital on an IV. If they're not eating and it's been a while, they might need assisted feeding, even like a feeding tube placed. And then some other considerations for both groups would be using an antacid if we're on steroids. If we have GI involvement, like those guys with diarrhea, getting them on some probiotics, we can start replacing those good bacteria. And then more robust pain medicine might be needed. So we might need to reach for an opiate in addition to our anti-inflammatory plan. Sounds good. Yeah. So now we've talked a lot about how to treat these guys. The good news is, though, most of these are going to recover pretty well. JJ, can you share with us some information about the prognosis for HOD patients? Sure. So prognosis is good for most dogs. Uh, most cases are rapidly responsive to the supportive care and the anti-inflammatories, um, but relapse is possible until the physis close. Dogs who have affected littermates are more likely to relapse, and uncommonly angular limb deformities can be seen. Occasionally, you can have a reoccurrence in adult dogs, but they tend to respond well to the NSAID treatment. Yeah. And I, um, I've i read about the adult dogs having recurrence. I've never actually seen that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, in my experience, these guys, most of them get better the first time. And I've had maybe one, I want to say, relapse a couple of times. But really, by the time they're adult, it's pretty uncommon for them to relapse. The angular limb deformity that you mentioned, that is a situation in which the growth plate kind of closes uh, prematurely. and we have a deformity then develops in the leg. So, um, so take, uh, well, we'll take the front leg. If you have like the radius and ulna, if that growth plate of the radius 
stops, but the ulna is still growing or vice versa, then you can have basically, uh, you know, one side has put the brakes on, the other side is still growing. That's going to kind of force the limb into an angle. And that's what they mm-hmm. mean by an angular limb deformity. Luckily, that's not common, but but it can happen. Can HOD be prevented? So not really. We don't really know for sure whether vaccines play a role in HOD. Okay. Um, definitely we want to vaccinate puppies because distemper and parvovirus are such terrible things to die from. And we don't see HOD that commonly, but man, we see parvo and distemper all the time when dogs Mm -hmm. aren't vaccinated. Um, So even if vaccines are related to the cause of HOD, uh, we wouldn't want to do away with them because uh, it's, it's, more dangerous to go without the vaccine than it is to have an episode of HOD. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if we're having an active episode of HOD, so the pet is currently symptomatic, the general recommendation is not to vaccinate those patients. Um, but once they recover fully, then most of them can just resume their normal vaccination schedule. Um as always, you want to take the pros and cons of vaccination into account. Very young puppies really need to stay on their schedule. If it's an older puppy, uh, then we might decide if it's a low-risk situation that we are done. Um, in older puppies or adult dogs, you can run titers on, but they're of limited value in young puppies because of maternal antibody influence. So, uh, but, but no, not really any way to prevent HOD from happening. So, JJ, Mm -hmm. what happened with Josie the puppy? Josie the puppy was treated with oral meloxicam, subcutaneous fluids, serenia, and clavamox. Josie recovered rapidly and returned to normal. That's fantastic. Yay. With their treatment, they selected meloxicam, a fine choice. It's an NSAID. Subcutaneous fluids, always a good thing to provide, nice supportive care. I'm guessing the serenia was because she had that one episode of vomiting on the way to the vet in the car. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, serenia is a potent inhibitor of substance P, which is an inflammatory mediator in the body. So even if they're not vomiting, I mean, you could make a case for giving any dog with HOD serenia, honestly, Mm -hmm. because it's a good anti-inflammatory medicine. So that's interesting. I didn't come across that in any of my research like textbook type research but it would be interesting to know if serenia has been looked at as a as a treatment interesting it, i mean definitely couldn't be standalone but i think it's a good ancillary mm-hmm. or adjunct um treatment to use i love that drug yeah me too <laughs> me too and they selected clavamox antibiotic I, I mean i think that's a good choice uh we talked before about how that's a little bit of a controversial thing but in this uh, in this scenario, the clinician felt like antibiotics were warranted. So <laughs> it looks like they did a good job with Josie. Yes, ma'am. So the owner was hesitant to return to the vaccinations based on Internet research. Hmm. But the veterinarian okay. that was on her case was able to speak with a veterinary immunologist to make some specific recommendations. And those were the immunologist did not recommend titers in a puppy of her age. Um, she did recommend continuing the normal vaccine schedule once Josie was symptom-free, and um, that approach was accepted by the owner, and Josie is still doing great. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yay. So, JJ, have you seen many cases of HOD? Not recently, but I feel like in the past, maybe there was some more, um, but the clinic that I worked at at the time, I feel like there was like 
a lot of owners of large breed dogs. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that, because it was kind of a rural clinic. Yeah. So that was less of the, you know, indoor on couch foo-foo and more of the <laughs> let's go out, go hunting type situation. Yeah. yeah. So if you worked at a clinic where there was a large percentage of large breed dogs mm-hmm. and then you moved later to one where mostly small dogs come, then I can I can see why that would be, you know, why you might not have seen it in a minute. That was the um, When I'm looking back across my, well, so, so let's say 12 plus years in practice, I think I've seen five cases of HOD, but I've seen a little bit more panosteitis than I've seen HOD. But uh, but when they they come in, man, it's a it's an exciting uh, physical examination because you start to you start to kind of tick the boxes and you're like, oh, I think I know what this is. <laughs> I think I know what this is. Ding 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 ding. Yeah. So on social media, we'll go ahead and post some X-ray examples of. HOD in puppies. And Mm -hmm. we'll also put in the show notes, um, you know, sources as always for the information that we've provided. So be sure to check those things out. Yes. JJ. Yes. What's your favorite thing this week? My favorite thing this week was after, gosh, about three months now of looking at possible new homes. My husband actually lit up like a Christmas tree at one we looked at yesterday. Ooh! Whereas before, he's just been meh or meh about everything. Yeah. So seeing that... Ben? Ben is never meh. What are you talking about? Never. (laughs) Mostly, he's just been either no, hell no, or meh about everything that I've tried to show him, we've looked at. But yesterday, the light came on. So that was a... was a, uh, I was extremely excited about that. I just kind of stood back and let him go. He was walking around, getting his phone out, measuring corners and asking oh, about dear. things. He was interactive and happy. And I was have like, you already, have y'all already decided where all the furniture goes and everything? I mean, there was some discussion last night of like, okay, what can we purpose this room for? And what can this, what can we do with this? There's still some, you know, things to work out, but. Um, this is the closest I felt to having a winner in a while that it's made, you know, I liked it a lot, but I mean, I I think he actually is more excited about it than even I was. And that's saying a lot. So that's my that happy. That is saying a lot. That's so exciting. Yes. You, you, you know, you have, you know, Carl's kind of similar in that yeah. there's not a whole lot of, you know, it's, it's pretty even kill. Yep. There's not a whole lot of woohoo. <laughs> But yeah, was not some many woo-hoo. highs and lows, just very steady. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that was uh that was much happiness and rejoicing yesterday. Oh my goodness. Okay, well don't don't say anything more before someone goes and buys the house. Or... I know, right. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> not in this market. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so exciting. Uh when you're in a uh home buying situation and when you finally find the one it's such an exciting time, so I'm so happy for you guys. Mm-hmm. It's it's exciting and also kind of stressful too. So uh, yeah, stressful but, indeed. But it's okay. It's okay to feel both <laughs> at the same time. What about you, G? What's been happy in your life this week? My old cat, Small Fry, she turned 20 back in January, mm-hmm. and she's been having a week where she's been kind of you know I can tell just like not as feeling good as normal and i've been really worried about her 
And last night, because uh, she's moved into the bedroom now with us, so she she now has everything set up in our master bathroom in the bedroom. She, like, comes and goes as she likes between the bedroom and the rest of the house while all the other cats have to stay outside because she needs, <laughs> like, her own space. Mm-hmm. So anyway, she was in the bedroom with us last night, and at about one in the morning, I woke up to these really weird noises. <laughs> and when I looked <laughs> over, it was Small Fry playing with a toy mouse. <laughs> and the noise was her going, whack, with, with her foot. And the mouse would roll across the floor and hit the wall and bounce back to her. And so she would like, I mean, she was really like winding up and whack. And then she would like, you know, run. Okay, run is a relative yeah. term for a 20-year-old cat. But I mean, mm-hmm. for her, this was running. Then she would like, run, run, run. Whack again, run, 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 whack, and in the middle of the night, I was like, what are you doing? I thought you were on death's doorstep, and now you're just acting crazy, and then she saw me, like, looking at her, and she was like, oh, and then she, like, ran over to the rug and started, like, sharpening her claws on the rug, really irritated and everything, and I was like, are you serious? (laughs) Fine, fine. (laughs) Bless it. So she she had the zoomies and uh, she hasn't had the zoomies for a minute. So <laughs> so that was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These old ladies, I swear, it is mm-hmm. it. They're entertaining how just the personalities shift just a little bit. Because you know our elderly border collie is oh my goodness. One day she's like I'm worried about you, and the next day she's standing at me going wanting to be fed and. <laughs> Throwing toys at me or throwing toys in the air and trying to, you know, trying to run after and chase a rabbit. And I'm like, please don't. You will pass out. <laughs> because of her heart condition. Yes, yes. She has a terrible heart. But Oh, no. Yes. And by chase, same thing. Trot really fast. Right. It's a relative situation. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Move the legs really fast, but uh-huh. maybe not travel in a long distance. Or in a straight line. Cause or a straight line. Yeah. The vision ain't great. <laughs> Oh, dear. So, JJ, we've talked a little bit about our animals last season in this episode. Mm -hmm. So why don't we go ahead and just tell everybody which animals we own and who they are so that there won't be confusion (laughs) moving forward. (laughs) I like this. So you go first. I go first. You have two dogs and a cat. I do. So the old lady, Squeegee, uh, is a 15 pushing 16 border collie. She uh, has always been entertaining, and one day I need to put all of her many videos we've made over the years of her online. Good Lord, she's a mess. You know, most Border Collies are known for being smart. She has smart moments, but her name tag says derp for a reason. Ha! So When we work together, one of my favorite times uh, would be when you would bring Squeegee to the clinic, and after work, <laughs> mm-hmm. I would get her out and go through all of her commands, because mm-hmm. she is like the most attentive and food-driven dog that I have ever met. And she knows so many different commands. And then it would get to be, when she got a little bit older, um, I guess, I don't know if she could hear as well or something, but she would like, you would hold the treat and give her a command and she might like not know what it was, but then she'd just start trying stuff. Uh She'd be like, this one, this one, this one, this one. Yep, she'd go through as many as she could. And some of them like sound the same too in her defense, but oh yeah, yeah, bless her. She she'll barely still do sit. She'll do speak mm. still, but not much. She'll probably do a little to the left, but not much else because she's 
most easily either she's just stubborn or we're just like she's retired she doesn't have to anymore you might want to explain a little to the left oh yeah um sorry a little to the left so i mean she got her name from an episode of gilmore girls um it's squeegee beckenheim and there was also an episode in gilmore girls where there was a, a beagle that the guy had said that he had trained it to be do super useful things like you can say a little to the left and the dog would scoot just a little to the left. So we taught her that since, you know, it was in the show she was named for. But she's special. Bless her. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, other dog, she's our most recent addition in the last three years. Snuffleupagus was a golden retriever that was actually set to be euthanized due to her skin conditions. And um, I had a friend that was like, Cheche wants a golden retriever. This thing's sweet. I'm going to see if she wants it. So we had, they had the owner sign the dog over. And um, she called me and I went to visit her and brought Ben along and everybody got along. And she has immediately uh, secured her spot as diva of the house. <laughs> yes. For a free dog, she's rivaling we just being the most expensive thing in the house. She has all her hair again yeah. for the first time since I've had her. So <laughs> due to many different procedures and illnesses and issues, she finally has a full coat of hair for the first <laughs> full year. And um, she's a mess, but she's super sweet. And last but not least is Fraggle. She's old. Bless her. She is uh, tiny and mighty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she goes to the clinic. since She's been bottle fed. She has to have her gabapitins to make her a noodle. But she was one where her her mother had kittens, including her at the cl- clinic I was working at, at the time. And then the mother unfortunately ruptured her uterus while having said kittens and died during surgery the next oh day. So uh, Fraggle and her siblings were passed around from different people for different days for bottle feeding. And I became attached. She's been with me pretty much constantly since she was a day old in she likes her people. She likes to be warm. She's in a house full of people that are always hot, so she's miserable a lot. <laughs> but um, yes, she's a she's a good kitty. You should get her a sweater. She. We have to be careful when you sit on blankets because she's usually buried in one. Oh, she's yeah. part Dotson in that way. I Cat's guess. Wish. Yes, but he's a she's a good kitty. <laughs> we like to snuggle. Well, I have four cats. <laughs> Small Fry, who I was talking about just a few minutes ago, is the oldest, and I got her from Lee County Humane Society in Auburn, Alabama, at Shelter Medicine Rounds in, gosh, well, 2001 is when I took her home. She was about six months old. She'd been in the shelter for six for that whole six months. Uh, she had been found in a dumpster in Low Chapoca, Alabama, as a tiny baby kitten. <laughs> and uh, so then I just, uh, just took her home. I don't. I don't even know if I actually ever paid her adoption fee. I just took her. Mine. I think I took her home and was like, "Hey, I took this cat," and they were just like, "Okay." <laughs> you know, whatever. And then I have a kitten named B. Arthur. Uh, the reason that she's named B. Arthur is because she was. She's so bad. Um. <laughs> She's got a lot of behavioral issues and had since she was a kitten, and she was constantly breaking things in the house as a kitten. So we would call her 
we would call her like badass, you know, <laughs> or BA for short, but then we couldn't put that on medical records. So then we just decided B. Arthur has the same initials. So that's how she ended up with the name B. Arthur. You could have gone the, what is it, B.A. Baraka, the Mr. T character on the A-Team? I have no idea. He was a The A-Team was before my time, JJ. And now I'm going to sit over here in <laughs> Old Corner. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, that was some cold <laughs> shit, G. Damn. <laughs> Uh, sorry. <laughs> so she, uh, as she's aged, her behavioral issues have to some degree lessened, but many are still there. <laughs> and then I've got two siblings, Mimi and Willow. Messes. They messes. They are. They are naughty. <laughs> um, and I got those guys in 2015. So they're going to be six this year. And, um, they were these tiny little underfed, kittens i'll put man mimi's baby photo is like an alien she's <laughs> she was just so thin she had this huge head so they were just poor doing and christine who was on an episode last uh, season mm -hmm. pawned them off on me <laughs> um <laughs> at some point and then i was like kitties i keep the kitties uh so anyway they give me a lot of joy but they are truly terrible people um <laughs> For a little while, when I was selling my house a few years ago, they had to go through periods of time where they would board like for a day or two at the clinic mm -hmm. uh, that I was working at at the time. And the clinic would sometimes allow the cats, you know, depending on who was there, out for free play. And I told them, like, look, do not let my cats out for free play. I'm telling you, <laughs> they're going to wreck the joint. Like, just leave them in their cage. They will be fine. It is a literal 12-hour period of time. They're going to be fine. Um, but no, they <laughs> convinced someone cutely, oh, we'll be so fine, and let them out. And they just destroyed the place. <laughs> destroyed. Top to bottom. They knocked a container of Temptation Streets, like one of those econo size, like a Sam's Club type container. Oh, no. <laughs> off, broke it, and like ate all of them. I don't know. Anyway, they're very, they're super naughty, but I love them. I like the one that likes to meow with a stuff, a mouse stuffed in her face. Both of them. Mm -hmm. They'll pick a mouse up and go through the house like, you know, like, especially in the middle of the night. They're very bad. But I love them. And so then, so those are my four cats. We'll have to post pictures and yeah, let everybody see the menagerie. Mm -hmm. They are naughty. Very naughty. <laughs> Lord. The jump from two to three cats was substantial mm. back in the day when I originally did it. But when I went from two cats to four with the kittens, whoa. Mm -hmm. Four is all I can handle. Mm -hmm. I don't understand how these people that have like nine, ten animals do it. Because mm -mm. four is all I can handle. It'd be full, full stay-at-home mom situation there. I know. Yeah, unless unless somebody's going to pay me to stay home with my cats, which, hey, I am not above that. Yep. <laughs> if someone wants uh, to do that, that sounds same. great. Yeah, the, but no. <laughs> ben being able to work from home has been very beneficial because Snuffy has quite severe separation anxiety. And, you know, Trazodone helps, but she has been destructive to a couple of door facings that oh, dear. we really don't want to have to fix again. So we're, we have strategic 
Sometimes she goes with us. Sometimes she gets a pet sitter. Uh, we can't leave her at the clinic because she likes to explode. She means bloat. She bloats yeah. when she gets anxious. We don't want to deal with that again. So it's interesting. But I don't think even if I wanted to, I could never trade her for anything because Ben's pretty attached. <laughs> you know, they're BFFs. Yeah. Yeah. She's <laughs> supposed to be my dog. Yeah. I don't have yeah, a dog. Good, good luck with that. I have a cat sometimes. That's, <laughs> you know, that's how it is at my house. Carl was home for about eight months during the pandemic, and all my cats are his cats, actually. <laughs> Primarily. They like him way better. Way, way, way better. It's just not fair, man. It's not. <laughs> sitting on the couch sometime, and everybody's crowded around Ben, getting all the <laughs> snuggles. And I'm sitting in the chair going, what about me, Ben? I like snuggles. <laughs> Damn. Oh, dear. Well... <laughs> Those are our pets. <laughs> if you have veterinary cases, stories, or anything else you'd like to submit, please send them to introvetspodcast at gmail.com and we'll read it. And you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram. We are at introvets on both of those locations. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.